Our text for today is from the very first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis, the very first chapter. Where did we come from as human beings? What was our origin? And where might we, where might you as an individual human being be going in terms of your eternal destiny? And for that matter, why are we here? Why did God create us in the first place? What might our purpose actually be? And if we think we have the answers to those questions, how can we be sure that our answers are the right answers? How can we have certainty for what we believe? These are the most important questions we can ever ask, attempt to answer. These are the most basic, the most fundamental. These are the ultimate questions of life. And every religion and every philosophy and every worldview, in fact, every individual person should at least strive to find real answers to these all-important and ultimate questions of life. But I submit to you that the average person that is in line with you at King Supers does not have answers to these all-important ultimate questions, or at least they don't have very clear answers. And so many people honestly don't even seem to care. I mean, all of us, whether we're Christian or not Christian here today, we're focused on things like who's going to be in the Super Bowl or what happened on the latest edition of The Real Housewives of Topeka, Kansas. I mean, we're running out of cities at this point. Or if you're like me, getting sucked down into a YouTube hole that you really just can't get out of at times. But these are the most important questions. And how we answer them, do you see, makes all the difference for our life. We live at least in the western part of the world, in an increasingly weary world, the increase of anxieties and depressions and addictions, now more than ever, we need real answers to these questions. And the question that is our focus for today as we begin this series is the question, as I said, of our origin. Where do we as human beings come from? Where did we come from? And what I want to do in our time here today simply is to compare and contrast the biblical answer to that ultimate question of our origin, where we came from as human beings, the biblical answer, which is here in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, which says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. 
I want to compare and contrast the biblical answer to that question of our origin with the secular answer to that question. By secular, I mean the non-biblical, the non-religious attempt to answer the question of where did we come from? Why is there something rather than nothing? Where did we come from as human beings? Comparing and contrasting, so what is? the secular answer to that question. Well, the prevailing, most popular secular response or answer to that question, it's what's taught in our schools, and it's the answer that's been with us for about a hundred years, is this. That there was a time when there was nothing Absolutely nothing. And then somehow, not explained, somehow out of nothing there arose what scientists refer to as a point of singularity. That is all of time and space and energy and matter was completely folded up in on itself in this minute particle, and scientists even speculate that this point of singularity, all of time and space and energy and matter, all of this was perhaps millions and millions of times smaller than even an atom. This minute particle, point of singularity, almost infinite energy and heat and from that point of singularity there was a massive explosion. Of course, what we refer to as the Big Bang. And from that explosion of that minute particle, all of time and space and matter and energy rushed forth, creating all that is here in this ever-expanding universe. And here we are 13.8 billion years later. Now, I find this fascinating. I love science, the scientific method. What a great gift to humanity. I find Big Bang cosmology to be a fascinating subject to study. Uh, we've got the Hubble telescope, now the Webb telescope. Some of you have seen these amazing images that are coming forth. But the question is, where did that point of singularity, if there was such a thing, where did that come from? Where did the Big Bang come from? Who lit the match? Who flipped the switch? Who struck the fuse? That's a great question. Now, on cable television, there is the Science Channel under the Discovery Channel uh, operation. And um, my daughter and I actually were watching that just over Christmas break at my parents' house. We don't have cable. They have cable. We were watching the Science Channel. And there's a great show called How the Universe Works. Some fascinating speculation, How the Universe Works. I want to show you a two-minute clip of two scientists, two Big Bang cosmologists who are trying to explain where the Big Bang came from. 
So we'll watch that now. Named for the groundbreaking astronomer, the Hubble Space Telescope allows us to look deep into the universe, back in time, and closer to the moment of the Big Bang. But for scientists, winding back the clock to the Big Bang was only the first step. When people first hear about the Big Bang Theory, they say, well, where did it take place? It took place over there, it took place over there. Where did it take place? Actually, it took place everywhere because the universe itself was extremely small at that time. These are only some of the most abstract and difficult concepts there are. So here's a mind bender. What came before the Big Bang? The philosophers in ancient times used to say, how could something arise from nothing? And what's amazing to me is that the laws of physics allow that to happen. And it means that our whole universe, everything we see, everything that matters to us today, could have arisen out of precisely nothing. It's one of the biggest hurdles to understanding the Big Bang. First, you have to buy into the premise that something was created out of nothing. It's impossible to describe the moment of creation in human language. All we know is that from what may have been nothing, we go to a state of almost infinite density and infinite temperature and infinite violence. Understanding how nothing turned into something may be the greatest mystery of our universe. But if you understand that, you start to understand the Big Bang, when time and space began, and a great big explosion created everything. Okay. Fascinating. Big Bang cosmology. But there's a problem. And the problem is statement that something, indeed everything, ultimately came from where? From nothing. Now that last scientist, his name is Lawrence Krauss, very well known. He's actually very anti-Bible, anti-God, anti-Christianity, just full disclosure. And if you noticed what Dr. Krauss said, he says that the laws of physics allow for something to come out of nothing. The laws of physics allow for something to come out of nothing. The laws of physics. But if there is nothing, there is no and are no laws of physics. There are no physics. Where did the laws of physics come from? Let's do a thought experiment. We've done this before. Let's do it again. Here I have with me my box. And I want you to imagine that inside this box is nothing. And I don't mean just emptiness, because actually emptiness is still something. I don't mean just air, because air is still something. 
I don't mean just darkness, because darkness is still something. I don't mean just a void, because a void is still something. I don't mean just the abstract laws of physics, that's still something. I mean, and it's even hard to even think of nothing, right? Ooh. I mean absolutely nothingness. We close up the box. Now the question is, how long do we have to wait for something to come out of the nothing? An hour? A day? A year? A thousand years maybe? Give it a good look. 500 billion years? Would that be enough? We could wait forever and eternity and if there truly is nothing nothing will ever arise because the sound of music is true <laughs> I've sung it before I'll sing it again nothing comes from nothing nothing ever could if there ever was a time when there was nothing, really nothing, what would there be now? There would be nothing. People say, well, the universe created itself. For the universe to create itself, the universe would have to be before it is. The universe would have to exist and also not exist all at the same time. This is manifest absurdity. This is a violation of the most basic propositions of human logic, the law of non-contradiction. For the universe to create itself, for something to come out of nothing. And this is why I say that the secular answer to this great question of where did we come from, our origin, first of all, it is a violation of basic human reason. Again, comparing and contrasting, what does the Bible say? The Bible answer, the biblical answer, again, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, let's be intellectually honest. Where did God come from? I've had kindergarten, pastor, who created God? Good question. God was not created God has always been. No beginning and no end eternal. God is a supernatural being that is outside of the physical universe in which we live, has the power of existence within himself. Now you say, Pastor, do you understand that? No. I can't understand that at all. That goes absolutely beyond my ability to understand the existence of the eternal God goes beyond my ability to reason. But this is the point. It doesn't violate my reason. This is actually a very important distinction. The concept in the existence of God goes beyond my reason. You could call it super rational. It goes beyond my ability to understand, but it doesn't violate my understanding. It doesn't violate. And look, if we have, well, look, this is a great question. Where do we come from? Why is there something rather than nothing? We lay out the various options. And the secular response to prevailing view is that everything came out of nothing and the universe created itself. That doesn't make any sense at all. 
And I would submit to you that what we find here again in the very first verse of the first chapter of the first book of the Bible, that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth is the most rational, reasonable understanding of why we are here. And that's the first thing. You're not crazy to believe in God, especially with the design and the intricacy from the orbit of an electron to the orbit of the planets to the human eye to hold a baby in your hands and look at their perfect fingernails and see the beauty of God's creation. But secondly, and this is kind of where we'll, we'll wrap up on this point, it's not only a violation of human reason, the secular response, it's really a violation, more importantly, of human nature of human dignity, of our value and our worth, of who we are. To say that we ultimately came from nothing and that we are going to nothing is to say that ultimately in the final analysis, human life is nothing. Your birth is meaningless. Your death is meaningless. Everything in between is meaningless. It's called nihilism. That the universe was an accident. And all of life was an accident. That means your life is just an accident. And there's nothing greater than your physical being. You're a biochemical machine and all of the emotions and all of the feelings and all of the things you want to strive for in life, it's an illusion, it's just chemicals. And as I've said before, when I tuck my daughter into bed and I kiss her on the forehead and we have our prayer and the feelings of overwhelming love that I have for her the day that I got married to my wife, it's not real. There's no real such thing as love, it's just chemicals. And we're just a more advanced form of animal life, a grown-up germ. If you're here today and you believe that, can you live your life consistently? That you're nothing more than an advanced form of animal life and there's nothing more. Some of you maybe know Viktor Frankl. He was a uh, Austrian psychiatrist, philosopher. He survived not one, but two Nazi concentration camps. And this is what Frankl had to say about why he believes the horrors of the death camps arose and where this actually came from. It's a lengthy quote. I'll read it to you. He says, if we present a man with a concept of man which is not true, we may well corrupt him. When we present man as an automaton of reflexes, as a mind machine, as a bundle of instincts, as a pawn of drives and reactions, as a mere product of instinct, heredity, environment, we feed the nihilism, that's this idea of we come from nothing or going to nothing, to which modern man is prone. He says, I became acquainted with the last stage of that corruption in my second concentration camp, Auschwitz. The gas chambers of Auschwitz were the ultimate 
consequence of the theory that man is nothing but the product of heredity and environment, just the products of time and chance. I'm absolutely convinced that the gas chambers of Auschwitz were ultimately prepared, not in some government office in Berlin, but rather at the desks and lecture halls of nihilistic scientists and philosophers. What is he saying? He's saying the horrors of man's inhumanity to man wasn't just something that Hitler came up with. But it's much deeper than that. It actually came from these scientists and these philosophers in Europe. And what he's saying is, is that if we believe we came from nothing and that we are going to nothing and that human life ultimately is nothing, then should it surprise us when other human beings treat other human beings as if they were nothing? Have we not seen and do we not see in our age a growing devaluation of human life? Do we not? From mass shootings to the unborn to the way we treat our elderly and the infirmed to euthanasia, physician-assisted suicide, we have cheapened and reduced and lessened the intrinsic value and dignity and worth of every single human being. Again, as we wrap up here, comparing and contrasting the secular view to the biblical, what does the Bible say? Verse 26, God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And then it says, God bless them. Do you see the difference? You are a special creation. You're not just some advanced form of animal life. You are set apart. You are made in the image of God Himself. You are holy. You are sacred. All human life is sacred and holy and has infinite value and worth. Human lives matter and they matter to God. And I think truly the greatest expression of the value of human life is in the gospel itself. Where God becomes a human, takes on human life. And outside the walls of Jerusalem, the hill named Golgotha, on a hill that God himself had made, on the wood of a cross, the wood of a tree which God himself had designed. The one who spoke and said, let there be light, was overcome with the darkness of this world. And the author of all of life died so that you might live. That's how much humans, how much you matter to him. How much your life has such value and worth to him. We forget who we are. 
You're not a mere mortal. You've never met a mere mortal. You are an everlasting, amazing being made in the image of a holy God that God himself was willing to suffer and die and give his life for. That is who you are. Carry yourself with the nobility that you have, my fellow brothers and sisters, human beings. Remember who you are. And remember who your fellow human beings, people are. Again, the unborn, the infirmed. Visit a nursing home and look in their eyes and love them. To the person on the street corner who's begging for food or for money and who knows why, but we so often maybe don't even look them in the eye or see them as fully human. Shame on us. Or to your own husband or wife your children, children, your parents, the people we're closest to that we can, we can snap at or say those words or treat them in that way. We have no right to treat anyone with anything less than the ultimate dignity and the worth they have. I've been studying this week. I'll tell you, I've been so much nicer to my wife this week. <laughs> I really have. Shame on me. This is where we come from, our origin. Now, the great question, the next question is, well, then why did God create us in the first place? And why are we here? And what is our purpose? Well, that's what we're going to talk about next week. So come on back. Invite a friend. And as always, to God alone, be all the glory. Amen.